Hi, and welcome to today's SME Business Podcast. Your host, Mark, will be joining you to interview a founder of an SME business each week, highlighting lessons learned and revealing insights. Listen and learn each week on how to get and stay ahead. Hi, Disney listeners. Welcome to the SME Business Podcast. Today, we're joined by the team of Fulltree. Um, normally, we you know, I, I get a, a one esteemed guest, and today I have three esteemed guests. So I feel a bit outnumbered, but that's a good way. Um, so um, Fulltree, um, the team is here on the on, on the podcast, and they're based in Cork in Ireland, um, which is fun because you know it's one of those things. Actually, when I was younger, I used to travel there, so I was like, hey, I remember that name. Um, Fulltree is, is a um, um, business that does data protection as a service um, and is, is fairly well suited uh, to help uh, small business owners um, you know, protect their data. Uh, so we're going to you know, dive in deep in it. And the cool part is also they, they started in, in, in the middle of a pandemic, which is like a, a already you know, extra jobs. Um, now I wish I we had reactions where you know people could be like you know clap clap like there's not a Facebook live. Um, they were born in the cloud and it's a team of five. Um, so um, today we're joined by uh, Tilo, Sean, and Kevin. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Hi, nice to meet you, Mark. Mark, thanks for having us on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I, I have a few questions, and again, um, it's one of those things. Um, yes, I, I I have some questions that I, I normally ask, but also uh, feel free to you know add stuff that you go like, okay, this is actually helpful. Um, I am so um, yeah. The first thing, um, uh, can you tell me a bit more about yourself and how you got into the entrepreneurship? Sure. Um, so I grew up in in Germany, and uh, I was I was basically raised in a, in a pretty linear way. Let's put it like that, right? So um, not really much breaking out of uh, of, of the box, right? Uh, thinking out of the box. And uh, I've I've worked over the years in, in many different uh, companies, especially in, in large traditional ones, and uh, and I more and more became. Uh, quite sick, to be honest, of of the steep hierarchies and uh, and the the slow uh, processes, etc. And uh, and realized that I couldn't really um, flourish in this environment as much as I wanted to. So uh, that's how that's how basically I, I I came to the conclusion that maybe a startup environment a startup environment would be better for me. Uh, actually, moved to Brazil. A few years ago, and and started working at a startup here, which just recently became a unicorn, and really got into that uh, into that vibe, into that um, startup culture, and, and and small businesses really um, working together on a thing and not really against each other, and uh, and that's how that's how I fell in love with entrepreneurship, and and ever since uh, been doing this here with the guys. Yeah, there's a great intro, and it's funny, you know, like I come from Germany, uh, I come myself from Netherlands. It's almost like you know, a Deutsche Gründlichkeit. Uh, it's also, you know, a lot of processes, and also a lot of like you know, um, uh, let's say be average, and then you know, you're you're doing enough that kind of thing. Um, well, you know, in a startup, you can you know emphasize your own talents, if you will, and you know, pursue more what your passion is. 
uh, less processes, more fun, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, you can, so I was wondering you can really, yeah, you can really shape, you can really shape uh, your own, your own vision. You can really shape what, uh, what others will perceive of you and what you, what you can offer and do to make, uh, to make literally the world a, a better place if you have the correct vision, right? So yeah, you know, like, about. yeah, exactly. And leave a legacy that way and, and then, you know, uh, you know, yeah. uh, inspire a new generation of entrepreneurs that way as well. Um, exactly. So, yeah, but, you know, of course, uh, for listeners listening now that, that don't know what Voltree does, uh, can you give me a bit more detail about what Voltree does? Absolutely. Uh, glad to. So, Valtry, um basically came to life uh, because of the, I mean, everybody knows the ever-growing problem of, of data hacks and leaks, and it's not necessarily the fault of, of hackers who become more sophisticated, but also um, internal leaks and companies, right? And, uh, and we came to life because we're, we were affected uh, by this ourselves, um, and, uh, and, and Kevin and Sean on this side have been working on this for a long time. Kevin is a professor of cybersecurity, he's, he's been in the field for, for over 30 years now, so um, that, uh, that really brought us together. And uh, what we do is we offer fully encrypted solutions. So we have achieved a breakthrough when it comes to the encryption technology that we, that we offer within our package. And we offer this within, uh, within a package which is based on three pillars, right? Simplicity, security, and control. Simplicity is extremely important for us because we want this to be used by anybody, literally. It could be my neighbor, but it could also be, um, could be a, a big enterprise, but primarily focused on businesses who are left out by solution uh, vendors currently, which are small and medium-sized businesses. Because we have the, uh, the feeling that there is no solution out there which is simple enough to be implemented and used by, by anybody, especially smaller businesses who do not have the time the knowledge and the monetary resources to uh, to use a solution like that. And this is why simplicity is extremely important for us. So our package is really envisioned to be extremely simple. Security, second pillar, um, with our technology, you never have to decrypt your data again. So we offer that fully encrypted uh, package, basically, and this provides you with, with the highest security levels you can imagine. Uh, and this for uh, for an affordable price, which has not been achieved yet by current solution uh, vendors, because the tech breakthrough has really not been achieved yet. And we we're able to offer this really in in the utmost simple way. Third pillar is control. We give control back to the user. The key is with you. We do not even see your data that we store for you. So uh, that's our big uh, our big advantage here. There's no um, there's no server side decryption happening happening. No key disclosure. Not nor the uh, uh, and neither the, the cloud provider nor us have the key in this case. We do not see your data. And we offer tools uh, around compliance, right? So we have audit management, we have access management, etc. And uh, this is part of all uh, of, the, of the whole package basically here for, for, for companies. Yeah, the, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. What we do is, is special. It's, only, it's, it's a technique that's only been around for a number of years because of course, anyone can take their documents and encrypt them. And that means that unless you have the key, you can't decrypt them if it's done with a modern cipher. And you can put your documents in the cloud, but unfortunately, you would not be able to search them, edit them, update them. So there's this holy grail of encryption called fully homomorphic encryption, which allows you to have documents in the cloud totally encrypted, and you are the only one who has the key. So even the cloud provider 
or anyone gets access to that data cannot do anything with those documents later. But also, which is the great thing, they're actually searchable, they're actually modifiable, they're deletable. And what we've done is our technology, the breakthrough is that we have made it scalable. We have made it practical so that you can actually use this in the modern world right now. And it is the holy grail of cloud security because it means then that really users, companies themselves are responsible for the keys again. And third parties can no longer snoop or no longer be blamed for losing the data as well. So that's the magic that we have and it's different. It's a new form of cryptography. It's a, well, it's a new form of, it's a new framework really for security. Yeah, no, a great, great explanation, and maybe you know a bit of a like a more in depth uh, for, or, or if you will, uh, encryption one on one for some of the listeners that that don't necessarily know why encryption matters. Can can you go a bit more in depth why a small business owner should should worry about encryption, as in why is it important to them? Yeah, it's important because nowadays we have things like GDPR. The general data regulation um, put on framework again, so companies can face so. It's important for companies to actually secure the data. Otherwise, they risk large regulatory fines from organizations again. There is a new GDPR law brought in across Europe, which imposes severe penalties. You can be fined up to 4% if you turn over or 20 million, whichever is the largest, if you're found to be lax with your customer data and not using the proper protocols, the proper security, the proper encryption, the proper um, controls, even for who's allowed into the server room. Again, and also if a data breach occurs, first of all, you will lose confidence in your customer base. You also will have to set up cyber response units to deal with the incident and that, that all costs money. In other words, data breaches affect businesses very much. And thank goodness because of GDPR, we're finally seeing where the C-suite, the CEOs are putting more money into cybersecurity. Where in the past, technical people in the cybersecurity world would go along to the boss and ask for money. We need more resources. but they would just think, well, hang on, we haven't been breached this year, everything's safe, therefore do not worry about um, you know, adding any resources. But now with the fines, even the CEOs and management who are not technical, they know that they are coming under more scrutiny because it's so important, because it's, it's a great way of protecting the public. In other words, now we we're seeing less when you sign up for things, GDPR disallows them to be able to um, by default, subscribe you to mailing list. All these dark practices that did before, they have to be upright about it. And again, there's legislation applying to material that you store for people under 13. And again, it's putting the onus back in the companies again. And it's done in a much better way than the stupid cookie law. The law that, you know, that thing when you go to websites and you have to click here to accept cookies, that doesn't do anything for user education. It does nothing for cybersecurity. All it does is reduce the user experience. What they should have done many years ago before the cookie law was brought out GDPR and put the onus back in companies to adhere to best practice. The same way that you have to in the banking industry. You have PCI, you have um, other um, standards which you have to comply with. And again, and, and there's the FSA in the United States who enforces this and everything else. And that's what we needed. And the cookie law was one of the most stupid laws ever invented for the for the internet. 
Yeah, yeah, the cookie law is like it. It's kind of dressing up. Um, either you end up people not do, wanting to do it and they don't visit the websites, or they just end up clicking OK everywhere, so it effectively doesn't do anything. Um, yeah, so yeah, I completely agree. And um, yeah, like you said, regulation is changing. Um, so yeah, that, that's that. Can you mute yourself? Sorry. Changing as well, where um, um, where you know, like you said, GDPR, but but other regulations are changing. Uh, insurance is changing, so you know, past boardrooms would be like, hey, you know, I'll transfer the risk and you just get insurance, and you know, I'll I'll hire two people to pretend to be doing cybersecurity for a company, and that's about it. Um, and you know, uh, uh, regulators and and and, and such are by letting companies get away with less and less, and we already had like big fines for the British Airways and such of the world, um, where they were paying, uh, yeah, basically paying, uh, saying hey, you have to pay a big fine because of GDPR. Um, and then, then in the US, uh, the, you know, like uh, New York Financial Services Regulator uh, um, is even looking to go further where they want to make directors um, personally liable, not just for financial due care or due diligence, um, but also um, uh, when it comes to cybersecurity. And they said, yeah, we're looking initially at, you know, like fines. And then potentially if we, at one point, if, if they don't approve, we're looking at, uh, you know, prison sentences, which is... Um, Massive, uh, because yeah, cybersecurity has always been like, um, you know, people go like, well, you have to do the right thing, but it's like, well, if a regulator doesn't force me to do it, then why do I do it? Because you know, it's just a cost cost center. Uh, so thankfully, companies are now starting to realize it's the cost of doing business, really. Um, yeah, so it, make, it makes sense. sense. That's a good uh, term, yes. The cost of doing business, yeah. Yes, yeah. And then I would say, as a as a techie myself, I was like. Um, um, I was reading a bit, so uh, w uh, the combination of homomorphic and 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 uh, and SSE encryption, uh, what makes it so unique? Sean, you can take this one. Yeah, not a problem. Happy to jump on here. I suppose what what makes our solution unique? Uh, I think it's probably fair to say, Mark, the efficiency of the solution. Uh, any any cybersecurity product that that is brought in, you know, it, it tends to have some kind of performance impact on the end user there, and that can be from, I suppose, a standard algorithm efficiency point of view, or that can also be from a usability point of view. Um, technologies like fully homomorphic encryption, you know, the the concept behind that has been around for a long time. Solutions to it have only existed for around ten years. Um, it's a fantastic concept and it's a fantastic building block, but it's still very much that at the minute in terms of being a building block. Uh, you know, we can use it to do really trivial operations such as add two encrypted numbers together and the result of that encrypted number would be the same as if we did that over plain text data, for instance. But to actually build like larger applications from that building block, the scalability just isn't there at present. I mean, we, we, we can build out applications for these technologies, but to do basic types of computations can take minutes and hours in some cases. With our solution with searchable symmetric encryption, it's an incredibly efficient way of searching data while it remains encrypted. Okay. So again, the idea behind this has been around for over 20 years now, and it's very much about trying to strike a balance between functionality and security. With your standard deterministic uh, encryption, you know, your AES encryption and so on, you either you get full security with that solution. You you encrypt your data in such a way that there's zero usability of it. Okay, so you have to decrypt that data in order to work with it. And I suppose with the standard approach to that at present is that most organizations out there will use encryption at rest. Okay, so whenever your data is stored on the hard disk, it's encrypted. 
But if that cloud provider wants to do any type of processing over your data, they have to they have to have the keys necessary to decrypt that. And the reason that they need the keys is because they can't have any functionality over that. In our case, we've got a great suite of functionality that can be done over encrypted data. So in essence, you don't need to decrypt your data to do useful pieces of functionality with it. But again, we do that in an efficient manner. And I suppose maybe a, a way of, of kind of emphasizing the strengths of our, our solution. We tested this out on a data set a couple of weeks back with around 10 million records. And I suppose we did a, a SQL query over that data set. And I knew that when I performed that query, that it would only match one record in that entire data set. To do that over a deterministically encrypted data set, everything had to be decrypted first and foremost. We had to search, decrypt the specific column that we were looking at. And to match that one query took 22 minutes. And I can't remember, was it 22 minutes and 15 seconds or 22 minutes and 16 seconds? Because everything had to be decrypted and everything had to be searched. Using our solution, that search was done in less than one second. So we've, we've, we feel like we've struck an excellent balance with our solution. From a functionality point of view, we've probably strengthened the, the, the security over the standard solutions because the way deterministic encryption works, we've known for 40 years that we shouldn't be decrypting data like this. We, sh we should be using an approach that's known as randomized encryption, where no two values ever get encrypted to the same value. We use randomized encryption in our solution, and again, we've got the performance there. And we can tie it in with fully homomorphic encryption then in the areas where it is efficient to use that technology. Yeah, I guess that. Yeah, go ahead. You know, I guess the, the fantastic thing as well is that you, you can not only use that technology over, over structured data, but also unstructured data, because for us it's really important to bring this uh, to the masses, right? So make it available not just for the few, but for the many. And uh, we can see that that technology is really the only way out because uh, you can have as many consultancy projects and data mapping, data governance projects as you want to. It's not going to solve the problem. And uh, we really want to make uh, the most advanced encryption technology accessible for everybody in a way which everybody understands actually, and really create that foundation of like how humans and, and machines are going to communicate in the future, set a new standard of, of, of data security and, and create this, this encrypted tomorrow basically where data does not exist in its raw form anymore, but everything is always encrypted, everything is always secure. So we want to enable this leap into, into a safer future. That that sounds like a good slogan for the website, you know. Meet your encrypted, <laughs> meet your encrypted tomorrow. Uh, exactly, might uh, have to put that on there. Uh, maybe you know, like you know, uh, sub 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 branding where you can then sell it as well to tax havens. You know, meet your encrypted tomorrow where the tax services can't find you. Anyway, that's a <laughs> weird techno joke. Anyway, I was gonna say as well. So if if a small business owner is listening and they go like, oh. That sounds really technical. Like, how easy is this for me to a, a procure and, and implement? Uh, you know, what would be some steps that that they would go to beyond, of course, paying? Yeah, I mean, with our, our product offering, Mark, I mean, we're very much starting out with two products. One of them is going to be our product marketed towards the SMB sector. And I suppose it's very much in a similar vein to the cloud drives that you've seen out there before. Um, I don't think it's necessary to mention them because a lot of them are very well known. I think what what's fair to say is in the terms and conditions of those cloud providers, you know, they actively state that, you know, they periodically scan your data and that your data does be used for marketing purposes and so on. Uh, in the case of our solution, we're offering a similar product. You know, you can 
store your data locally on your drive, sync your data to the cloud. You can still access that data via your web browser. We're offering stronger security controls around that from, from a cryptography point of view. And again, with those standard uh, cloud solutions that are out there at present, you know, they will use an encryption at rest, but uh, you know, your, your data still gets processed by them in, in, in plain text form. We're not doing that with our solution, obviously, but again, we're, we're going to offer the same full suite of functionality that we do over fully encrypted data. Uh, from, I suppose, our enterprise offering is very much kind of aimed towards enterprise software developers and so on, and essentially we're going to make a, a software development kit available uh, to those software developers that want to use this technology and maybe, you know, layered into their existing products or integrated into their existing products. Uh, so two sides of things, uh, but we're massive on usability. Uh, I think uh, there, there's been a lot of shortcomings with security products over the year for, from a usability point of view. We've worked with usability, uh, UX engineers, usability engineers, and so on uh, as part of this project, and we've very much tried to nail that from that point of view to make this as simple and easy to understand uh, for end users. You, you don't have to be a CTO with you know, Chief Information Security Officer to use our products. We want to make this as simple and easy to understand as possible. Yeah, that just sounds like a, a you know a great offering. Um, and then you know offering you know solutions for both like smaller business and enterprise. Um, because uh, yeah, as you probably know as well, you know a lot of the service good solutions are focused on large enterprise, and there's not so much for you know small and medium enterprise. Uh, a lot of them are, are completely out of the budget. Um, I've been in situations myself where, uh, you know, a, 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 let's say a country, a different country, they'd be like, okay, if we want to buy this solution um, in a Western country, that that be like you know two percent of our yearly budget. Um, but if if I sell uh, sign here on 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 the line, and then effectively I'm giving you my whole yearly budget. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that that that's good to be aware of as well. Where um, you know, um, as an industry, thankfully we are improving and uh, having more uh, budget-friendly options. Uh, but on that note, though, um, uh, what's the plans for you know like growth and you know like uh, where are you going and like uh, when are you planning to list on the stock exchange and um, you know like what what do you hope to achieve in two three years time with with fall tree i guess for us it's it's really about um bringing this product to the market to actually to help uh to help anybody even without prior knowledge in, in data security um how, how fast that happens is is not really the most important uh, aspect how, how fast the growth happens because as, as long as we can help uh, a large number of of businesses in in fulfilling their uh, their demands basically of, of of strong data protection. We're happy, but of course we want to grow this out um, in a way where where we reach the masses, right? Not just uh, not just a few people. I guess uh, uh, a list, to be listed on the stock exchanges is in in the far future here. Um, but in the next uh, two to three years, uh, we want to at least have the product available on several continents. Uh, that, that sounds like a great goal already, you know, having presence in multiple continents. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree there. What what I would like in three years' time, or maybe a little bit longer, but is when data breaches occur, people would turn to each other and say, oh, you didn't Voltry it. I want Voltry to be synonymous, the name synonymous with data security and best in practice. So that's what I would like, that people, it would be a household name, Voltry. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, like make it in like a, instead of a Google it, Voltry it. 
um, uh, that'd be nice. Um, or, you know, like a, if you're talking about hot tops, you know, everybody goes like a jacuzzi, you know, like make it like that where, you know, everybody else then tries to copy all three. And then, yeah, exactly. Or like you know Hoover's or whatever you know everybody goes like it, you know Hoover it and it's like it's not a Hoover. Um, I I was wondering as well. So um, you know like starting a business in the pandemic it, that that's already major jobs uh, to be honest. Uh, like applause for yourself. Um, pat on your back. Um, Thanks so much. I was wondering okay. as well. It's like uh, what could, yeah, what could governments around the world do better to help small businesses grow? I, I would just say one thing because, you know, again, I'm, I'm a technical guy, but one thing governments could do, and, and the pandemic has speeded up because us in the geek business, we, we were using video conference for years and doing other things, but online shop and everything else. We live online, you know, that's that's our job. But one thing governments could do is really um, put more money into broadband. Um, it's the lifeline for the outside world. Um, just increase the capacities. In fact, that's not helped by the wars at the moment in the 5G market which could delay, especially in the UK, um, which has um, blocked out some of the leading providers in 5G, and that doesn't help us. But one thing governments could do is just invest, invest, invest in broadband, um, because it's the lifeline for, for most of us for the foreseeable future. Yeah, because, yeah, a, a good point you're making. Uh, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I know in UK, like, it, it's, a, it's a bit of an issue where, you know, like, you have spots you know, outside of, you know, like, of course, like London, where... They have like good broadband because they just happen to have had a project where somebody like put in money or like you know a private public you know corporation kind of thing. Um, but yeah, there's plenty of places where you know it, it's perfectly believable, but because of um, you know our dependence on technology, because the the broadband infrastructure is not you know, sufficient, yeah, it means that that people don't want to live there because yeah, um, you know that basically dependent on jobs that, that, that don't involve technology. Um, and let's be honest, in these times, uh, there's very little jobs left that, yeah, um, you know, you don't need technology for. And let's be honest, we're learning a lot, you know, everybody's looking at YouTube and, and such and um, continuous learning is not gonna go away. Uh, so yeah, I agree, like broadband is, is, is so important um, because it can help, um, yeah, level up regions without, you know, in immediately having to say, you know, like, um, okay, we need to move some headquarters here and there, um, you know, bring more people in. And also uh, one of the things that, that you know, like I, I like focusing on is like, um, you know, like reaching out to, to you know, forgotten communities, if you will, um, to, you know, help, you know, inspire a new generation of entrepreneurs. Um, and then, you know, if it's easier because everybody has good broadband, um, they can, you know, attend master classes, and you know, the, there's probably going to be kids sitting there somewhere at home, um, and you know, that that master class might just be the spark they need to to start working on their, you know, their new business idea. Um, so yeah, really important. Because unfortunately, the high streets of this world will never be as full as they are now. Shops were gonna close. Just COVID has speeded the whole process up. There will be yes. few um, shops in the future in the high street and also cities like Manhattan or like New York, sorry, areas like Manhattan, even the district in London, remote work become a part of life because companies can see the savings that they had and they can see that really all it was was freebies before and the cost and travel and downtime. Of course, there's still time for networking, 
um, that returns, you know, but it'll never be in the scale it was for many years like it was before because people see the effectiveness now of Zoom and FaceTime and everything else. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and that, 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 that's a thing as well with the high street, you know, uh, one of the things they could do, like, you know, uh, re repurpose some of, you know, the, the, the shop units and then make it into like, uh, like co-working spaces and learning labs and where people you know, can learn new skills and uh, basically get inspired um, and, you know, like have, you know, great working spaces where, um, you know, people can sit where, you know, go like, I can't work from home. There's no, you know, regular office anymore. I don't want to commute, um, but but I still, there's a working space. And then, um, you know, you can feed off each other and, and get inspired that way as well. That's that's excellent. You're you're right. Co-working, you know, the government could actually subsidize that because um, I was in Paris in a lovely area and had a great time. But I was with my partner in a one-bedroom flat, and the truth was there, obviously, twenty-four-seven, um, basically. And one of the things just before um, I came was to agree on co-working. That for me to get out of the flat. Now I found the co-working quite expensive. But it did it did help in the relationship, and I'm sure I'm not the only person. And that would be great for the future because you could network, you can be out of the house because not everyone has you know got a five bedroom house, and that could still reduce the congestion in their cities. It could reduce the time spent traveling somewhere where you go to the nearest co working space. And you're right, it'd be good if governments stepped in there and just introduced more. Yeah, and then they keep, keep the you know your local local high street going because then you know people will buy local coffees and. And like you said, there's also even if you you have a five bedroom house and you know you have a home office, it, it it's sometimes good as well to you know to step away you know and and then you know your local high street, um you know it could be like hey I'm getting a coffee from a coffee shop um, um I don't want to like do sponsorship or anything, <laughs> um um but also you know like you go to a co-working hub and then you'll be like hey you know what I just spoke to this person um and um you know now I have an idea. Uh, how to solve my business problem and this person actually completely works in a different industry um, well if you just hang out with the same people um, you end up with the same ideas um, so yeah hopefully governments listen <laughs> that's the idea with this question where you know I secretly hope for government officials to start listening um, and then and take notes and take them into number 10 or uh, other pri uh, uh, prime minister residences around the world uh, at least I can hope. Yeah. No, excellent. Yeah, excellent. Um, then the other question I had is that if a budding entrepreneur would ask you for one piece of advice, what would it be? I can answer that within a split second, actually. Don't take no, uh, don't take a no too serious. Because if you're convinced of your idea and you can back it up, it's not about convincing everybody of the idea. It's about finding the right people who, who believe in you. So don't give up. Don't let them take your motivation away because there are too many naysayers on this planet who have never tried even themselves. So if you're really convinced of your idea and, and you stand in for it, go for it and, and, and show them what you're capable of. Yeah, that, that, that's a good one. Yeah, um, yeah. there's going to be a lot of people that, that will go out um, and, and tell you that you can't do stuff or even will tell you, well, you've already been doing it for years. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, so yeah, ignore them. And also, um, yeah, how I see it as well, you know, like if, if you get a no, uh, you know, just you know, reserve your energy for the for the next uh, one, next person that might say yes, um, because everybody's exactly. in a different place. So even if if the, if you know your potential prospect can use your solution, 
they might be in a place and time uh, that, that basically they are not willing to talk to any vendor. Um, and then there's no point, you know, like taking that personal. Um, you just move on and save your energy for the, the, the potential prospect uh, that does want to get help. Exactly. I think it's about resilience. 99 of 100 people are going to say no. But as soon as you find that one person that's that's going to say yes, uh, you're you're practically on a better path. Yes. Um, and also, yeah, my tip is always like, uh, instead of features and benefits, uh, focus on outcomes. Uh, if you're talking about products and services, um, you know, to be, you know, go for outcomes and, um, instead of like being like, you know, we got these features because um, a lot of um, potential customers will be like, okay, I don't really care about the features, but what does it do for me? That kind of thing. Um, then the last question I had, to be honest, um, is is a bit of a fun question. It's if you had a magic wand, what would you want to make happen? Who wants to answer that, guys? <laughs> I have an idea here. I I think from from my point of view, anyway, um, obviously this COVID situation at the minute is affecting the world. And I think if everything can go back to the way it was, I think everyone would be would be much happier. It's, I suppose it's given a lot of people time to, to think and, and evaluate their own lives and so on. But it's something that's probably gone on a hell of a lot longer than most of us, most of us have expected. And um, unfortunately, politics are, is, is playing a factor in how quick things are getting cleaned up or in, in different parts of the world. So from my point of view, I would like to see uh, the situation resolved as soon as possible. I guess I can add to that because uh, it goes hand in hand with another thing because the pandemic, the current pandemic has really overshadowed so many other problems, societal, uh, economical and, uh, and environmental, right? So if you, if you solve one problem, other problems are gonna have a, a higher priority again, not just from governments, but in mindsets as well. And for me, it's really pay respect. Like I, I wish people would pay more respect to each other and to our beautiful planet that we live on. So if we could solve these two wishes in one go, that'd be the dream. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, really good reply. But if, if, if I had a magic wand, um, I would like all data to be secured so that there's no data breaches in the future, that the hackers cannot keep making inroads into our, you know, we have to change our credit cards, we have to phone up the banks and waste time, and people are not getting cheated out of their hard-earned money through ransomware attacks and other fraudsters who are, and we do not get the phone calls from those scammers, those scumbags, um, who come and try to cheat little old ladies and, or anyone who's at the end of the phone, you know, these utter scum. I wish that we could um, win the race when it comes to the good guys versus the bad guys. But I know it's a cat and mouse race forever, but that's why Voltry believe that we're, we're, we're part of the solution. We're not part of the problem. And that's our vision. You know, we want a private world. We want people's privacy to be respected because again, there is so much data going around that in the future, it's very hard to see how people's data can't be pieced back together again about them. And when you're a teenager as well, you make terrible decisions again, but that could haunt you for the rest of your life. And we want the web in some ways to, we can't wish for the web to have no memory because there's archival tools of all sorts out there, but we can have the web not knowing what was in our thoughts 
And that's why we want full end-to-end encryption when it's in transit, when it's at rest, and that the responsibility for security is back on the individual and the organizations, and no one else is in control of our data. Yes, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Um, and yeah, you know, like uh, let, let the good guys and girls win. Uh, we really need that. Because uh, unfortunately right now it seems like, you know, the attackers are sprinting ahead of us. Um, bit of a fun question though, um, uh, not very scripted, um, but what's one thing you want to do uh, after we come out of lockdown in whichever form that is? What do you miss? So I'm going to give you a fun answer to that one. I'd like to meet my fellow co-founders. We actually were, were born in the cloud. So myself and Kevin have met face-to-face. Tilo has met two of our other co-founders. Uh, but I haven't actually met Tilo face-to-face. I haven't met uh, our two other co-founders, Ryan and Max, face-to-face. So that would be a nice one from a business point of view. True. I actually, I actually know Kevin and Sean just from the shoulders upwards. <laughs> Yeah, for me, me, actually, it's just a simple thing. It's being able to sit in Starbucks or a coffee shop and work and not feel remote because I live on my own. um, And it's just, of course, I've got friends. I can go to them, but it's not the same. But just even my office is the most wonderful office at the the university. But I love being able to sit in coffee shops. Um, Of course, I miss bars an awful lot, but I'm getting a bit older for that. But coffee shops is the one thing I just can't wait to be open again and walk in without the damn mask, you know, and just experience what it was like in the old days. Yes, yes, yeah. It's just like one of those things where, you know, in the past you would be like, you know, like I was spending too much money on overpriced coffee. And now you just go like, I just want a coffee and sit there and, you know, look at other people coming in. So I, I completely understand. Um, and like you said, you know, meeting, you know, your co- co-founders and such and, um, it's, it's different, you know, like for instance, like for me, you know, like I can't wait to go back to the swimming pool, which, you know, if, if you ask me that, I don't know, like pre-COVID, you know, you know, you, you, people would look at you like, you know, like, what are you talking about? Why do you miss the swimming pool? But uh, it's just, yeah, it's such a game changer that everybody's looking forward to their own little piece of, you know, rest of you. That's interesting. I never would have thought of that, that there actually is people missing swimming. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's interesting. Everyone's... Yeah, to be, to be fair, I have, I have little kids, so yeah, it's one of those where um, yeah, seeing them happy and swimming um, as a parent, that makes you happy, that kind of thing. I never thought of that. There's a generation who lost a year of swimming. Um, I've never thought of that. A year and a half, probably. Yeah. My God, I never thought of that aspect of a child's life. Yeah. So now, we're, you know, you probably get like uh, swimming teachers doing catch-up lessons uh, because especially when they're younger, if you don't have lessons for a year, um, yeah, you potentially have to redo a class almost. Like it's almost like <laughs> going to school. Uh, yeah, so that that's going to be one of the things personally I, I look forward to. And hopefully, you know, by the end of uh, this year, um, it is all back to quote-unquote normal. Um, but yeah, the good part about, you know, the hybrid um, world of office, um, yeah, it gives more opportunity for people that are not living in a, a metro center, if you will, uh, to still participate and, 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 and reach for the stars. Uh, that, that, that's, that's my main hope. Yeah. Um, it's where it becomes normalized that uh, people can still do stuff and get work done, even if they're not in the office, that kind of thing. Uh, beautifully put. 
Uh, I have I have a couple of colleagues, and they actually they moved uh, um, in my old company. They moved back to their to their hometown, basically, uh, which is which is far away from from the actual uh, company seat, and and they found that 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 their life is fulfilled again. Uh, they could be together with their families. They could uh, live in in their preferred place and and work normally, and that is fantastic. I think. Um, and at a cost which is a lot lower than, than in a big city, for example. So it's going to actually help people as well, uh, finding back to, to economic uh, stability or actually gaining economic stability. Yeah, no, no, good point as well, you know, like, uh, A, you can be more with family because, you know, you might have moved to a big city to, you know, to get the career, uh, but now you can move back to your hometown, which means that, you know, um, you know, you get to spend more, more time with family, and then not one of those things where you know you see your, uh, you know your cousins or whatever like uh, once every three months, um, but but you can see them more often meet in a local pub uh, once they're open again, of course. Um, but anyway, I was gonna say <laughs> yeah. uh, f- thank you all for your time. Um, I I hope it was enjoyable. Um, hey, uh, where can 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 the listeners find you? Um, you know, um, uh, you know, like in LinkedIn, uh, website, and and such. Um, where should they go? Yeah, feel free to, to look us up on our website, uh, Valtteri.com. Uh, in, in LinkedIn, uh, we're quite active uh, on, on LinkedIn. Feel free to just drop us an email under hey at Valtteri.com. Uh, we'd, we'd be happy to exchange thoughts. We'd be happy to help uh, as well and work together on, on this important topic. Yeah, thank you. Um... Again, you know, like, uh, thanks for attending. Uh, and, and for the listeners at home, um, thank you for listening again to another episode of the SME Business Podcast. And, and thank you for, you know, joining me on this journey and listening to all these amazing entrepreneurs. Um, um, again, this episode, I learned new things. Um, so yeah, that that's always great. Um, and you at home, I, I hope you learned something new. And um, I hope we all get to return to having holidays and then spending time on the surfboard or sitting on the beach. Um, because I know a lot of us are waiting for us. So uh, thank you again, and we'll see you again uh, next time. Thank you for tuning in this episode. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I look forward to having you tune in again next episode. See you next time.